Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. If you removed the ability to fail out of it, then every time you showed up, you would say, let me try that thing again today. There is no end line. Thanks to Bambi for supporting my show. HR managers aren't cheap. Salaries average $70,000 a year. Go to Bambi.com slash dream job to schedule your free HR audit. Also thanks to Indeed. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash dream job. Offer good for a limited time. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash dreamjob. Start living a better life today. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to the podcast. We have such an amazing episode today. And if I sound like I'm not excited, I am so happy that Tundi is here. But I just came back from the ER and I'm totally okay. I don't want to scare anybody. Um, but I had a like passing out situation today where it was just like running around like I always do, you know, and forgetting to eat and drink and it was super hot. And, um, we went out for Mother's Day and I, you know, got everybody gifts and made sure that we you know, I got everyone a certain reservation. I was taking care of everything and being there for my mom and my stepmom and wanting to make my sister feel special and wanting to be there for my kids also. And I was so focused on everybody else that I didn't even like eat. And I wound up, you know, for Mother's Day, they gave everybody like a little champagne. And so I just had one, you know, glass of champagne, but I hadn't eaten anything. And I think just like the emotional stress that sometimes we don't even realize, but these holidays can have like layers in them. And we were walking out of the place and I was walking to the car with Maddie, my youngest, and I passed out in the parking lot and it was so scary. And people are so kind, like this really nice couple came over and said, oh my gosh, are you okay? I couldn't really talk. Um, fainting is like not, it's not fun. It's really scary. It's happened to me in my life probably like 10 times. I have really low blood pressure. And anyway, so um, I just laid there and I felt really awful and scared. But my husband was so unbelievable. He was so kind. And it's interesting because every once in a while, you know how it is like in your marriage or in your life, you start thinking things and then you have like a very clear visceral experience of like how, how much this person loves you in like the most unconditional way. 
And he was just so there for me. And I, I was there for a while. And then we went to an urgent care, which was closed. We went to another one. It was closed because Sunday. And I went home. I thought I could just like drink some Gatorade, but I really, really, really felt bad. And so then, um, I went to the ER and there's this really nice, like standalone ER. I've never even heard of such a thing. And they were so kind. I got an IV and I still don't feel a hundred percent. I feel like maybe if I was, let's say I was feeling really bad. Now I feel like, you know, 65% better than I felt, which is great. And I think it's one of those things where every so often you get a message from the universe that you are running a million miles a second and you have to slow down. So I think I'm going to try this week to really take some time just to rest. And meanwhile, this episode today is so good and she's such a beautiful person. Tundi Oyenian is here and she's incredible. You're going to be so fired up from what she has to say. She's an elite Peloton instructor, renowned speaker, founder of the Speak Movement, author, Nike athlete, and podcast host. You're just going to love her story and how she went from a professional makeup artist to one of Peloton's elite cycling instructors. And now she trains up to 20,000 live riders through her motivational and unifying classes. That led her to start the Speak Movement, which includes her Speak series on Instagram, which is spotlighting stories and voices of those who have thrived and shown resilience in the face of adversity, like Venus Williams, Allison Felix, Mel Robbins, and so many amazing other people. And now she's officially an author. Her book, Speak, Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut, and Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be, just came out last week, and it's a must-read. This inspiring book shows us how we can transform grief and setbacks and flaws into growth self-confidence and triumph, and it offers a blueprint for anyone to infuse their life with more intentionality, joy, and resilience. Definitely get a copy. Also go listen to Tundi's Fitness Flip podcast, where she sits down with some of the most interesting experts and personalities from the world of fitness and beyond to challenge and transform some of our own ideas about health, strength, and mental wellness, and maybe even ourselves. This woman is such a force. And what makes her so lovable is her ability to be present and vulnerable and show up in her truth. It was such a pleasure to have her here. And I can't wait for you to soak up her energy. So without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Tundi Oyenian. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're so exceptional. And um, your new book is so, so important. And I want to ask you all about it, beginning with writing a book is such a huge undertaking. I've done it and it's, it's a lot. So to write a book, you really have to have something you have to say. Why this book and why this mm-hmm. book now? First and foremost, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here in your space today. Um, yeah, writing a book, ooh, it's a whole lot. And it's funny because I've recommended to people around me that I know are interested in, in telling their story and writing books of their own. I keep saying like, you have to want to do this for so many reasons. Number one, you have to, to want to tell your story because it's very vulnerable to tell your story because you're telling all your stuff to everybody, the good, bad, the ugly. And it's a process and it's time and it causes you to think and dig deep and think about things and feel things that you stored away 
feel things that you haven't had to feel again in a really long time. So in many ways, you're reliving many of the stories that, that you're telling. It's a memoir. All of that said, I wouldn't trade this experience. I would still do it all over again. My hope is that this book meets you exactly where you are within whatever you are going through. My hope is that you pick up this book and you see a little bit of yourself in my stories, my stories of grief and loss and tragedy and trauma and hope (laughs) and how I've really transformed all those setbacks into joy and, and resilience. So yeah, so right now is the perfect time. Yeah, I feel like you have an unstoppable amount of energy and courage and also incredible optimism, right? Just like to be able to move through the world as you have in this journey and to constantly see that there's something beyond the horizon is like such a incredible gift. And not only do you have it, you bring people with you on the ride, no pun intended, but you bring people with you there. That's what's really, really so generous. Thank you. And such a gift. So for anyone who doesn't know, let's just touch upon, because it's easy to look at someone who has such fierce charisma and such a big heart and so much life in you and think, great, that's it. That's who she is. That's who she always was. And she probably just had this incredible vibration around her all the time. That wasn't exactly the case. So what part of that do you feel like touching on just so people maybe have some context of, of a little touch of your, your background and what you did overcome? Yeah. I mean, I'll start by saying this. I don't think that adversity creates you. I don't think that moments of adversity create you. I think that adversity shows who you are, like in the, the, the worst moments, the way that you show up, it reveals the character that was already there. It's, it's, it's on display um, in a larger way, you know, the book tells so many stories of, like I mentioned, grief and loss and, and body image stuff. I speak to moments where I felt so much doubt and so lost in my career. I was a makeup artist for 15 years. I worked my butt off to land my dream job, land my dream job, living in it, doing it for a few years. And then I wake up one day and I admit it to myself that I hated the job the dream job that I'd worked my butt off for. I hated it. And I, I, it was tough and difficult for me to even acknowledge that and admit that to myself, much less my best friends around me, because it felt like, it felt like I wasn't grateful. I was living in my dream neighborhood in LA in my dream little apartment. I had my dream car, no longer had to, to, you know, peep the menu online before I committed to dinner plans with a friend. All that to say, it, it felt like a very established place. And here I was saying that I didn't like what was providing this lifestyle. So I was actually, you know, I was in New York. I lived in LA at the time, originally from Houston, Texas, daughter of two immigrants who from Nigeria who immigrated uh, to create a better life for their children. They're not here anymore just to see all of this, but everything I do is, is for their legacy. So I was in New York on a, a makeup gig and I wanted to work out. So I went down to the hotel gym. Hotel gym had like a busted treadmill and a hula hoop. So I real, quickly realized that I was not, not going to get any workout that meant anything in. So I decided to go to uh, a local cycling studio down the street. And I heard Kelly Ripa talking about it a lot on her show that cycling, indoor cycling was like the thing to do. It was becoming bigger at the time. 
And so I went, clipped in $40 later after the water bottle, the towel, the shoes, all the things, judging myself, thinking to myself, this better be good. I unclip 45 minutes later and I'm in this state of euphoria. It's like, I'm floating. I'm walking back to the hotel room and I realize that my walk turns into a skip. I notice that my skip turns into a hop and I'm just floating. I feel this wave of blue energy move through my body from my fingers to my toes. Kathy, it's like within a matter of five seconds, I saw my life's trajectory pass in front of me. I get chills every single time I've told this story and I've told this story. It's in the book. Every single time I say it, it's almost like I relive it and I feel it. And it reminds me that this is all part of it. But I feel this wave of blue energy flash from my fingertips to my toes. And within a matter of five seconds, let me remind you, this is my very first cycling class. After my very first cycling class, I knew that I would be cycling for the rest of my life. Not only did I know that I'd be cycling for the rest of my life, I knew that I'd be teaching it. And I knew that I'd be teaching it on the world's biggest platform, able to touch thousands of millions of people. At the time, I didn't even know what Peloton was. And so, you know, I get back to LA, tell my friends this vision I have. They cry. They say, this sounds so right for you. This is what you should do. They've never even seen me cycle. So I'm like, why are you guys so sure about this plan? They said, tune I don't know, but it sounds, you know, sounds right. You know, and I'll say, you know, imposter syndrome set in once I got back. I don't look like an instructor, sound like an instructor. Who's going to look, want to look at me on a bike? Who's going to be inspired by anything that I have to say? All those things happened, right? I mentioned this idea of the fact that I was in this job that I no longer found rewarding because I think it's important to note, I was so uncertain. Everything seemed so unclear. I was in this space of immense, extreme doubt. I know now not to fear doubt. Doubt is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good, but I don't think that doubt is a bad thing. I think that when doubt enters, it's our body's way of allowing in a course correction whether it's a relationship with your partner, relationship with your friend, that you're doubting that friendship, relationship with a colleague, work, your job, your career. So I was in this space of doubt, doubting my career. I was in this space of uncertainty, which again, I think is not bad. I think that uncertainty, the beauty in uncertainty is that there's infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And so then anything can be next. Because I was uncertain, I opened my mind, opened my vision, which allowed me to receive what was coming in. If I thought I knew what was supposed to be next, I would have gone in with blinders and said, fitness? No, 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 no. I don't have any experience in that. (laughs) You know, but because I was so open to receiving, I was able to take this divine download that hit me by way of a blue light. I could have easily said that I was daydreaming. I could have easily said I was hallucinating and dehydrated from that spin class. But instead I received the message for exactly what it was. Oof. 
So powerful, right? I mean, I think what we we forget all the time because we buy into the illusion of physicality being the the if and and all that is. And really, when mm. you widen the aperture, right, we know that most of what's happening is frequency. It's vibration. Even an atom is ninety nine percent energy. It's only one percent of physical particle. So if the world is mostly in the 5D, then that moment that you felt what you felt on that level, frequency carries information. So there's this hit of information. And what I love so much is not only did you feel it, were you available for the download? Did you feel it? But that you just named that you didn't know the the box the grooves that were already set in motion which then of course allowed this to be the highest level possible of where this frequency could take you and still will because you just Mm. followed in that and by the way that's why people love you that's what you are doing you're the tuning fork of your residence people can match that right Mm. they can come into harmony with that And that's what happened for you on that ride, right? It's the combination of the endorphins that move through you and also wherever that teacher could hold beyond the ego, beyond, right? And it's amazing what you said about you and your own insecurities because we all have them. We all have an ego, right? Everything has a shadow. Everything in the sunshine, it's got a shadow on the other side. So the fact that Mm. you were able to, to call that in and say the imposter syndrome set in, it's like my friend Natasha Hemingway recently said to me, how dare I allow my insecurities to keep me from calling people forward into something that's higher? And that's what mm. it is, right? The ego wants us to. How dare I allow my insecurities to keep me from calling people forward to their highest and best. To keep me from calling people forward. You just said something about frequency. You said frequency is a vibration. Yeah, and that frequency carries information, right? Whether frequency it's Wi-Fi, cell phone, phonograph, Morse code, frequency carries information, right? When someone walks in the room, it doesn't really matter what they say. It's the vibe. Like you can tell if they're being sarcastic, if they're all in, if they had a bad day. If I was having a bad morning right now, doesn't matter. I could say the same words. You feel the information being carried by hmm. the vibration. So you were available to it. And I wonder if even the fact that you have people that you love who crossed over, it's kind of thin the veil for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. a gift there. Oh, there's yeah. A gift. Like, I, I feel them now more than I did when they were here in living form. I didn't get the job at Peloton the first time around. No I, way. I, my, it, my dad was upstairs negotiating. He was like, I will be on dish duty for, you know, like, I, I know that because my dad was a negotiator in life. And I know that that was him saying, do this for this girl, do this for this girl. When I didn't get the job, it felt like a loss. And I know loss very well. Unfortunately, I know loss so, so well. I lost my little brother when he was 19 years old. I lost my father three years after that. And then another three years later, I lost my mother. And so I lost my immediate family, half of my immediate family within six years. And so when I say that this felt like loss, it was heavy. And it wasn't because I didn't get something that I didn't want. It wasn't because I didn't get a job. It was because I had this vision that I'd seen. I had my most certain moment. And then it wasn't true, or at least it felt in that moment. 
that I, I that I was wrong. I had seen it, things unclearly. You you bring tears to my eyes um, because in the face of so much pain, right? And that's like ripping apart like limbs off of you, right? Essentially, and yet you show up for people every day. You show up for their their feeling of pure joy every single day, right? And it's it's that's your soul just doing its thing because the ego wouldn't choose that no way, but your soul's doing that. And that's such a gift. And you, you are closer to them than ever. Cause they're a local call now at all moments, local it's local, right? Yeah. It's local. It's local. Yeah. So, and Love you bring that. that in the room with you, you bring that in the studio you, with you, you bring that on your, you, every time you speak. And that is such a gift. God, I have so much to say about that for another time, but we just, quickly, just as between the two of us, I just had this guy here, Dr. Even Alexander, who was the head of neuroscience at Harvard, mm. had encephalitis, had a near-death experience. His brain was not functioning. He comes out of the, the situation of 11 days of coma and he says, show me my MRIs. I'm the head of Harvard neurosurgery. I need to see my brain scans. He had this incredible experience met this woman. Her name's Kathy. Who's this woman, Kathy? Why is she so clear as day? Who is it? Asking his parents, they say, you know what? You're actually adopted. He goes, okay, I'm 48 years old. He goes to her house and he's talking to his biological mother and he sees this photograph on the mantle. This is the head of Harvard neurosurgery. And he says, who's that woman? And she said, that would have been your sister. She passed away a few years ago. He said, and her name's Kathy. And she said, how do you know that? And she said, he said, she was there when I crossed over and she led me to you. And he's gone on to write books about this. He, he was on Oprah, mm. he did super soul sessions. He's got thousands. He was on the New York mm. Times list. The point oh my is, God, this is too much. I need a moment. I know. I just had to give that to you as two soul. I was like, I know we're doing a podcast, but like I have to give, so he wrote this book called Proof of Heaven. He did Oprah. He did everything. He was the number one New York Times bestseller for a year, stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for 10 years. um, And he studies it. But his thing now, he has learned that things, he's not a fan of drugs. So he, but he did say that ayahuasca and psilocybin and all of that stuff, what it does that actually works is it actually quiets the brain so that we can move into actual consciousness. It takes Mm. the ego down, right? The brain function actually goes away so that we actually see more because we can't see that much inside the brain. Consciousness is beyond it. So he's now doing something called sacred acoustics where he's allowing people to drop into these sound baths, which the, the, the sort of, I don't even understand it, but the tones of these vibrations quiet down the brainstem so that the th- veil gets thin and we can meet these people on the other side. And it's amazing. I just had him on. I just had to tell you that. So yeah. back mm. to you. <laughs> so you go into this, you go into this vision and boy, does it start to unfold, right? And now you're where you are. And how much more expansive is your life now than you even thought it could have been? Oh, I never dreamed of this. The moments that are here. Yeah, I dreamed of that. And I saw that. I said in the third grade that I would write a book. When I was in first grade, my first thing that I've ever said I wanted to do, I said I wanted to be a teacher. My dad said, no, you don't. You won't make enough money. The joke there is that I was an educator in the cosmetic world 15 years and I teach or train every single day by virtue of a bike. So that happened. I was an overweight kid with low self-esteem. 
I didn't think that I was beautiful because I had dark skin and no one looked like me. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. The black kids that we did, that did go to my school, uh, there were no black girls as dark as me. My mother was light skinned. I just didn't see black women. So one day I saw Naomi Campbell, who that vision changed the way that I saw myself. All of that to say, you know, as this kid that's overweight, horrible at all sports, I would look at Nike and Nike athletes and think, wow. I would think of women, I would look at women in beauty campaigns and think, wow. Fast forward 2021, I become Nike's first ever trainer to be named Nike athlete. Um, And I have a renewed contract with Revlon as one of the faces of Revlon. So I I didn't ask for this exactly, but I I envisioned it. It's just so extraordinary. I love everything about this conversation. Before we keep going, we're going to thank our sponsors. We've heard so many people on this show talk about how at some point in their life, they felt burned out without even knowing it. Pretty soon they were struggling with having no motivation, feeling helpless or trapped or fatigued and so much more. Often we associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burnt out and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize your health. Sometimes I get burned out from putting a lot of pressure on myself to do the best in my family. As I was talking about earlier, I end up feeling really stressed and it's tiring. And I realize that it's so important to take care of myself if I want to continue stepping towards the higher version of me. And sometimes that includes talking to someone with an outside perspective who can help me get clarity on why I fall into old patterns or beliefs. Therapy has been so helpful in my life. And I think it's amazing that BetterHelp is making more of it accessible so we can prioritize our mental health. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under four 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and my listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dream job. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash dream job. When you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. In fact, they're an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. I know that dealing with HR problems can be such a headache that suck all your time and all your energy, and I love that Bambi is helping you change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat, and from onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business, plus help you manage your employees day-to-day all for just $99 a month. You can pay month to month. There's no hidden fees and you can cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash dream job right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash dream job. That's BAM to the B-E-E.com slash dream job. You're, you're doing all of this. You're swimming in this river of just as far as the eye can see this energy. It's just, it's amazing. And, and you title this book speak, right? And I'm, I'm curious, and you have sort of an acronym, like what are all those things, the surrender and all of the rest. What does it mean to you to help people to open their mouths and speak? Why that? Why mm. that? What do you want people to speak up about? What do you want people to speak into the world? What do you want people to speak over other people? Well, speak is an acronym. Like you said, when I sat down to write the book, I looked at those five words as elements. Uh, S-P-E-A-K, surrender, power, empathy, authenticity, and knowledge. I noticed that when I surrendered, it resulted in change, change that resulted in growth. 
I thought about power and my power and my purpose and how my purpose links to my power. When you live a life that's well-lived, it's a life that's of service. I think that when you're of service, you're living in purpose, on purpose, of purpose. When I'm living of purpose, when I feel it, that's my power, the drumbeat. Empathy. I, I speak to empathy as not just empathy with others, but having grace with yourself real self-love. Authenticity is the intersection of truth and trust. When you trust yourself enough to show up in your truth as you truly are, when you trust yourself enough to believe, to know that even when you say the wrong thing, because your voice is shaking, even when you say the wrong thing, it's actually the right thing because even the wrong thing is the right thing when it's rooted in love. And then lastly, K-knowledge, having all of the lessons and all of the experiences to back it. And so speak is the invitation to find your voice and to trust your gut because it'll move you from where you are to where you want to be. Why not speak? Hmm. Why not surrender? Why not find your power? Let's talk about finding the power because I feel like I've been saying this a lot. Like I, I, I've coached now thousands and thousands of women and I see them and they're very sweet, very good, very kind, but they've like given their power away and it's in there and you can be sweet and fierce. You can be kind and a badass, right? Mm-hmm. So when I watch you, when I see you, I see both. It's not mutually exclusive. It can be loving, powerful too. And I think when people are in the middle of a ride, very often we also feel like we've hit, we've reached our capacity for power. We can't go further, right? Our legs hurt, our back hurts, our mind starts, right? And it's the same thing, the metaphor, obviously, and this is not, I'm not the first person to make this connection, but it's a metaphor for how we hit the dip in life, right? And we're like, how do you help people to really see the full capacity of their power when they're hitting a barrier of like, no, 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 no. I can't ride five more minutes. No, I can't speak this out. No, you don't understand. This person will walk out. No, you don't understand. I, I have to keep this golden handcuff job. I've hit that barrier. I don't see the fuller capacity of my power. How do you help people? Because you do it every time you show up and they're able to step into that fuller place of capacity. Hmm. I'll relate it to this. I think that failure isn't real. I think that failure is a word that created, we created so that we give ourselves, so that we can give ourselves the opportunity to stop trying. If failure isn't real, if you could never not succeed, you would keep trying over and over over and over again until you got there. I need a moment because I've heard a lot of words and I've heard a lot of concepts and parent. I've never heard that concept. If failure wasn't real and you said you wouldn't use it as an excuse to stop trying. The second you fail, you say, I failed. All right. On to the next thing. I'll try the other thing. Let's equate it to the bike right now because you were talking about working out. Mm -hmm. You've Mm -hmm. never ridden out of the saddle. 
And every time you try, you just can't catch that swing. And so you sit down and you keep, say to yourself, oh yeah, I love taking classes with Tune, but when she rides out of the saddle, I don't get up out of the saddle because I just, you know. And again, take injury out of it, right? Well, if you tell yourself now, you said you failed, right? So now you tell yourself, I failed. You stop trying. You don't even go there anymore because you've already given yourself that concession that I can't. If you removed the ability to fail out of it, then every time you showed up to clip in to ride, you would say, let me try that thing again today. There is no end line. Now you can put that in a relationship. You put yourself out there. You put yourself out there. Oh, just never going to meet anybody. You can put that out there with a job. I keep going for, up for this promotion. Keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. Not for me. I guess I'm not uh, skilled. I'm not what they're looking for. Wow. Yeah, it's major. I've never, I've heard, you know, failure is feedback, but failure isn't real. If that's true, you just have to keep going. And, and that is right. That's what all of the research shows is the grit is the thing. It's not about the IQ. It's not about the income, the zip code. It's the grit. So just because I want to move through some other topics, it's interesting to me that your podcast, you called it Fitness Flipped. What does that mean to you? What's the flip? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could take credit for naming the podcast. Uh, It wasn't my genius idea, but Fitness Flipped, it's this idea of flipping the script on all of the things that we think we know about fitness. I'm a fitness expert. You don't expect me to then get on a podcast and talk about things that I don't like about my body or that I have the body image stuff too, or that I compare myself to other people too. Emma Lovewell, one of my teammates, one of my good friends, sister friends. I joke because Emma, literally Emma has abs on her neck. Like Emma has abs on her shoulders. She's, she is a walking ab. She has an ab. So to have Emma on and she's talking about, you know, her body insecurities and her things. It's those moments where you step back and you think to yourself, it's almost reassuring in that, okay, she sounds crazy. She sounds absolutely crazy because she's from the outside looking in, she's so perfect. And then you realize that she's human. And then you give yourself forgiveness because you realize that you're just human. Because somebody that you look at at, in such a high regard, when you see that they're human too, it gives you license to give yourself a little, uh, a little grace. And I I think what people love about you is what's so apparent in everything that you do and how you show up is there's never a feeling of look at me. It's always a feeling Mm -hmm. of come with me, right? And those are the best teachers. Those are the best leaders. The ones who are like, I know your address so I can get you home, right? Mm -hmm. Not I grew up in some ivory tower with this like perfect, you know, I was born Mozart and therefore I'm going to teach you piano. No, you're not. Like, no, you're not right. But if you've been there, if you can sit down beside me at the bottom of a well, Mm. say, I've been down here, I can help you out. So that's what you're saying. And that is very, once again, that's very unique because I do feel that people have to uphold some kind of image, especially the fitness space. Oh, I would never eat a Cheeto. Oh, I would never talk about my thighs. It's like, do Mm. you not live a life like everyone Mm -hmm. else? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I was gonna say on the flip side of that to also say like, you know, my weight goes up and down too, right? I'm human too. I show up to work bloated in a sports bra and don't love the way I look sometimes too. So yeah, for sure. Well, it's very vulnerable and honest just to to be human and be in this thing called humanity. I was going to ask you about 
being able to tolerate being uncomfortable because so much of the journey, whether you're working out or you're working out this thing called your life, Mm. if you have a different relationship with being uncomfortable, you're so much better off, right? But I feel like people start to feel discomfort and they go, that's my signal. I'm out. That's my cue. I'm done. And boy, does that keep us from mastery, from greatness, from expansion. So how do you look at being uncomfortable or how do you look at those moments and how can we stay in it? How can we tolerate it? Well, discomfort is rooted in the way that you feel other people think about you. What other people think about me is none of my concern. Whatever, what other people think of me is none of my business. In fact, if I'm thinking about what other people are thinking about me, then I'm being nosy and shame on me. And so when you can look at discomfort that way, then what is there to be uncomfortable about? That's none of my business, what other people think about me. Typically, 99.99999% of the time, the problem that somebody has with you is really the problem they have with themselves. And so if you don't like me because X, Y, and Z, it's probably because X, Y, and Z that you don't like about me reminds me you of yourself reminds you of X, Y, and Z that you don't like about yourself. So then is that my problem or yours? If discomfort is rooted in what other people think of me, then what is there to be uncomfortable about? That is pure freedom. It's pure freedom. That's pure freedom. Okay, before we wrap this up, I just want to take a quick ad break. Hiring for your team can be a real challenge. So you need a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You're going to find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. I love that Indeed is doing the hard work for you when you pay to post a job. Instant Match immediately shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description. This way you can hire sooner and you don't have to sift through tons of candidates that would clearly not work out for you. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for the applicants that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably power hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash dreamjob. Indeed.com slash dream job terms and conditions apply paper qualified applicant not available for all users need to hire you need indeed the last thing of my last question because this is so prevalent is that people show up to the table with a tremendous amount of discomfort around receivership right there's so much shame especially for women that i meet around having abundance it's like my parents were immigrants. My sister doesn't have it. My community doesn't have it. The people were going to say stuff about me. People with money are greedy. People with money are evil. People with money are superficial. And then there's evidence, and we've had 600 plus people on this show who were very kind, have tons of integrity, and have tons yeah. of money. Okay. So clearly that's not the part that makes or breaks who you are as a human. And so I just find that that is fascinating because when you are like most of us in that culture where there is that, there, that script is out there, right? About people with money or, and especially my, my grandparents came to this country and I know what my grandmother was like because she would hold on to everything. She came here yeah. to speak the language, right? So what do you think about that? Well, how have you flipped that script? Because clearly you've allowed some level of ease into your life around money. 
Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm a work in progress. It's one of those things. I mean, I wear, you know, a lot of jewelry. Um, and the other day on an Instagram live, someone commented on the diamonds that I was wearing on my hand. And so I bought myself these rings. Um, I, I like to buy myself jewelry for any life accomplishment. So um, if it's a deal that closes or a success in life, I buy myself something. I bought myself a, my first home and I bought myself a gift for my home. Like it's a thing that I do. Okay. Because I feel like jewelry is timeless. And one day I'll be able to give this to my daughter and say, you know, this is yours. And this is what mommy did on her own yeah. for herself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and jewelry obviously doesn't depreciate all of that. So I, that happens. Uh, somebody compliments my ring and I say, thank you. And then I felt the need to add in, oh, well, my best friend's a jeweler. Rather than just saying, you know, I bought myself this piece of jewelry. Thank you. I had to say, oh, well, my best friend's a jeweler. Just so people didn't think I was extreme with my jewelry. And, you know, I think we, so often we wait to live. I'm single. I actually bought myself these rings because I married myself. One day a man will put a ring on my finger. But until that time, I wanted to, to choose myself first, right? We spend so much on all the things, all the life things. Here I am, the single woman. I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I said to myself, do I need to have more space? Um, and then I told myself, why not? Why would you not? You work really, really hard. Why not have a beautiful home come, to come home to? Why wait to start living until other people meet you in your life? Live now and then continue living when they enter. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm living in now. Uh, but to get back to your question, yeah, it's this thing. I mean, especially to your point, like being a child of immigrants, like there's this relationship to money. There's this relationship to freedom. There's this relationship to access, access that you didn't see them have, that you now have networking opportunities that you now have, that you didn't see them have. There's guilt associated in that. I, when I find myself in that hole of guilt, I try to pull in a sense of pride. Like, how much sweeter is this because I am a child of immigrants? How much sweeter is this that none of it was handed to me and all of it was worked for? How much sweeter is it that I'm a black woman in this space right now with access, with the seat at the table, And so, yeah, it's a work in progress. I go back and forth on it. It's so powerful. We're going to wrap up now, but I think to myself, as you say that, how, like we said before, words from my friend, Natasha, who's also a black woman, but the same words, how dare you not Mm. do that? And then therefore not be a model for other people, right? You said, speaking of models, Naomi Campbell, what that did for you, for your self-image, right? Same thing with the money, same thing with the money, right? And I'm reading this book by Deepak Chopra about abundance. And he says, the most natural thing in the world is this endless well of generosity that we really, that's our default. So abundance is the most natural thing. Money is infinite. It's the scarcity. That's the, the made up illusion, right? That's the mm. least natural thing because we are, we can love a million people and we still have room to love more people. We, we give that money away. You never hold on to that money. That's not real. You give it, you invest it, you spend it, you hire someone, you, you do a thing, you create an event, you pass it on. So anyway, I've just loved spending time with you. Everybody does tell everyone where they can find you and follow and buy the book. 
Well, I don't want it to end. I had such a good time with you, Kathy. Oh, man. Speak is available May 3rd. You can find it wherever you buy books, hard copy and audio, both available soon. Thank you so much for having me. Keep shining so brightly as you shine. All those people, they turn their own lights on. So thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Thanks for being here. Thank you. How amazing is Sunday? All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, adversity doesn't create you. It shows you who you are. It reveals the character that was already there. Number two, doubt is uncomfortable, but it's not a bad thing. When doubt enters, it's our body's way of allowing in a course correction. Number three, the beauty of uncertainty is that there's infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, anything can be next. Number four, a life well-lived is a life of service. When you're of service, you're living in purpose, on purpose, and of purpose. Number five, why not speak? Why not surrender and find your power? Number six, failure isn't real. It's a word we created to give ourselves an opportunity to stop trying. If you remove the ability to fail every time you show up, you're going to say, let me try that thing again today. There is no end line. Number seven, what other people think about you is not your concern. It's none of your business. And number eight, don't wait to start living. Live now. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I know that you have so much going on and If you want to make sure that you're going to hear all the great episodes that are coming up, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a question that you want me to answer on the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and include the question in your review, or you can even record a voice memo and email it to us at hello at kathyheller.com and we can play it on the podcast and I'll answer your question on the show. Can you think of someone right now who would benefit from hearing today's episode? If so, then hit the share button and text them the link or email them the link. You can also post this on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller and tag Tundi at Tundi to Tundi. And that's the number two. I know she's going to love to see that her words really meant something to you. Finally, if you are thinking about joining the mastermind, you can still apply at kathyheller.com slash mastermind. If you want more info on my inner circle, which is a year long program, you can find that at kathyheller.com slash IC. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Talk to you again Thursday.